0: I love
1: your podcast. This is, the this is What is up? Hope you all had an amazing, amazing weekend. I'm so excited to be releasing this episode today. My guests today are Megan and Ryan Quinn, a husband and wife that are not just building a life they love, but are also leading the market in outrageously delicious baked goods that are actually good for you. They are the co-founders of Bougie Bakes. Bougie Bakes is an online store that sells amazingly delicious, gluten-free, dairy-free, and sugar-free baked goods. Their brand is also awesome, but most importantly, their product is amazing, and what they sell, the food they sell, the snacks they sell are actually good for you. Clean ingredients and absolutely delicious. We've ordered from them a bunch, and I've absolutely plowed my way through their cookies does not last long in this household before we jump into the show i have a special discount code for anyone that wants to place an order and try their insanely delicious sweets you can use the code bits of gold 15 to re- receive 15 percent off your order bits of gold 15 to receive 15 percent off your order they have an incredible story amazing to see how they thought about building both a business and life they love how they've navigated that as a couple so with that enjoy the show Megan, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on the show today. So pumped to have you guys on.
2: Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for
1: asking. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, first time on the show, where we're going to have three people all at once, but also a husband and wife duo. So very excited for this one. <laughs> we already
3: talked over ourselves. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I don't know how I came across your brand, but you know, I mentioned just a few minutes ago, my fiance and I are super fans of what you guys are building. <laughs> I literally just told you this, but you know, my fiance, she got us the Valentine's Day bundle and plowed my way through it, eating everything that was in there within like 36 hours. So maybe just before we jump into how Bougie Bakes comes about, you can give us a little bit of a high level of what you guys are building today. Sure. Yeah.
2: So in its simplest form, Bougie Bakes, we're really developing or we're out to deliver kind of healthier alternatives to life's indulgences. So right now, it's an online baked goods company. We bake and sell and ship nationwide, gluten free, dairy free, and sugar free. Cookies, brownies, blondies, scones. We have vegan mini muffins as well. So primarily direct to consumer. You can order through our website. We do have some distribution outside of our website too. Locally here in LA. You can get us at Erwan and Alfred Coffee Shops. And yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> and it's delicious. I saw that you guys recently added crickets as well to the site. Yeah. So that's
3: been a, a new product addition. Cricket protein is actually the most sustainable protein. So part of our mission at Bougie Bakes is not only to offer healthy baked goods, but also we want sustainable packaging. We want to focus on ways we can protect the environment and cricket is you know much easier to raise. You know We're not actually familiar with the actual process, but cricket is actually the most sustainable protein available on the market. And it's tasteless. So if you have that little barrier to entry of cricket, you can't tell you're having it.
1: <laughs> I've eaten some uh, like cricket snacks a couple of years ago when it first like launched, and it was like seasoned crickets. And <laughs> I had like the cricket, I don't know, legs like just oh. hanging out of my tooth. Yeah. And my friend's like, you literally have a little bit of cricket stuck in there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, uh, none of that. Luckily, ours comes already ground. And uh, we partnered with this awesome company, Human Improvement, to do a collab. It was our first collab. So yeah, offering gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free cookies, of course, and then also protein packed with that cricket protein. So they're great. You can't taste any cricket, I promise.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So before we jump into and dive deeper into the brand that you're building and how this all comes about, let's go backwards before Bougie Bakes existed. What was life for, for both you guys? What were you guys doing then? Sure.
3: So we actually met at our first jobs out of college. We were working at Nickelodeon in ad sales. So I actually met Meg literally on my first day of my first job out of college, which worked out very well for me. (laughs) I stayed in sales for the majority of my career. A bunch of different companies selling TV commercials, artificial grass, technology. So, you know, sales comes natural to me and I do it at Bougie Bakes.
2: And then I, you know, was... Obviously in ad sales, as Ryan mentioned, kind of first job out of school, great experience working for, you know, a company like Viacom, specifically Nickelodeon, really young team, super fun, really long, hard hours. But for me, it just, I didn't see myself following like a typical sales trajectory. I really wanted something a little more creative. Not that sales isn't creative. You definitely have to be creative to sell. But for me, it just wasn't the right creativity. For my brain. And I really wanted something that was going to just bring a little bit more of that creativity. So I started just looking actually for other jobs outside of Nickelodeon. I was looking internally, but nothing was really working out. And then I randomly came across this listing for a job that said kids TV job. And I was like, huh, that's very like cryptic. But I was like, I'm working at Nickelodeon. I'm in kids TV, like perhaps there's something here. And I went and applied And I got an interview and it turned out it was like all of these ex-executives of Nickelodeon had branched off and started their own small company. And they were doing like TV production, as well as marketing and licensing of their own IP. And so I was hired actually as a marketing coordinator at the time, but really became kind of like the right hand of the CEO. And I was working in marketing and licensing. And it was actually my first kind of entry into consumer products, which is what I spent the majority of my career doing. I was at the company called Out of the Blue. I was there for two and a half years. And then they acquired the brand Colorforms. And I was working on one of their new product launches, or new brand launches, and um, was working with, you know, some of the big studios, licensing their IP for our toy product. And then that's kind of what led me to my job at Mattel. Funny story there that we can save for later. But kind of worked in consumer products for the majority of my career.
1: Can you jump into the the funny story? We have a little bit of time.
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, part of what I was doing was working with it was a toy company. So the brand I was working on that we were relaunching was a toy brand from the seventies and eighties that we were relaunching. And we went to Hong Kong Toy Fair for the first time to like present this new line of toys. And it was just me and the president of our company at the time. So like working for a small company like that You definitely are afforded more opportunities that you might not otherwise have at like a Nickelodeon or another big company. And we go all the way to Hong Kong Toy Fair ready to pitch this new line of product. And, you know, I was really just there to like help set up the booth and take notes and all of that. And it just so happened the president of our company came down with a really bad illness and had kidney stones and was not going to be able to attend any of the meetings. And here I am, like, Like 25 years old, like so so nervous. Like couldn't even believe that I was being thrown into this, like leading these meetings. And I had, you know, meetings with all of the big studios, Disney, Nickelodeon, Universal, all of the big executives coming through. And I was just like so, so, so nervous. And one of the, you know, the brands that we were working with at the time was Barbie Colorforms. And so the whole executive team of consumer products at Mattel came through our booth and it's just little old me like they're selling (laughs) the brand and the conversation just went so well they were super impressed with me and you know it was two years prior to me landing a job at Mattel but that's like what opened the door of opportunity at Mattel and I made so many great connections and kept in touch with them and they jokingly were like if you ever want to get out to LA and work for us like you know let's talk and that's so uh, funny Fast forward two years, I was kind of knocking on their door like, hey, I, I want to get out to LA. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just funny how things work out like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You never know where those introductions or connections may take you. When did you guys start dating? Was it from the beginning, right right away when you guys were at Nickelodeon? No,
3: not right away. <laughs> uh, I think like a year into working together, I actually sat next to the printer. So like whenever Meg would... I, I like Meg right away. I don't think she liked me right away, but I had to win her over. I sat right next to the printer and when she would print things, I would pretend I printed things and just go into the printer room and like try to talk to her. So I, I think it took a year of that before uh, I convinced her that we uh, we should start dating.
1: In terms of when you were at Nickelodeon, were you like on the same team or different teams? Your only interaction was really by the printer.
2: Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> like... I guess luckily we were on different teams, so there wasn't that like conflict of interest out of the gate. We were kind of doing the same job but for different people. So we were like ad sales assistants and for different desks.
1: Got it. Okay, that's that's awesome. My my fiance actually is also in uh she's in ad sales at NBC. Cool. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. So you get some Mattel. And Ryan, are you are you still at this point at Nickelodeon or where are you at in your own journey? So at this point, I was working
3: at, I was still in ad sales, actually selling data-driven TV at this point. And the Mattel process took a while and we knew we wanted to move. So kind of another funny story element to it is I laid the seeds of, I want to move to LA. So my CRO at the time, we were based in New York. We're living in New York. He was from Connecticut. He had lived in LA when he was younger and he was big on, you should Go live somewhere not where you grew up and explore the world type thing. So I knew that and I played into that. And I also was coming off two or three consecutive quarters of really good sales. So I was, you know, riding high. So I slowly was like, Hey, what if I moved to LA and kept all my New York accounts and it made no sense, but like we should just make it work? <laughs> he said yes. So when Meg got the offer, I had a job lined up where I could just business as usual. Normally when, when people move, it's either both people are looking for jobs or one person's looking for jobs. So we're able to do a cross country move where we were, you know, settled in our new roles right away. Got it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely helps to have that security set up. Yep. Yeah. So how exactly does bougie bigs come about? And one thing that I love that I just want to highlight is that like you guys have no experience previously in the food space, or really it sounds like in like the D C distribution like online commerce or in store commerce. So I'm really excited to dive into how you guys basically started this really from from scratch.
2: Yeah. No, all of what you just said is so right. Like we didn't really have any experience in the space. It was quite a departure from what both of us were doing at the time. And it's not something that really happened like super strategically either, honestly. Like we had always shared like we've obviously are very aligned. We're husband and wife founding team. So we've been aligned in kind of like our life plan and our values. And we always wanted to, one, get out to the West Coast and live somewhere in California, and two, start our own business. And so I think, you know, there was definitely a journey getting to LA, as we kind of just highlighted in kind of our experience working and wanting, you know, to find opportunity out here in LA. But then also from a business standpoint, we had a couple of other ventures, both independently and jointly, that really didn't pan out. And so I think it was like going through kind of those failed business ventures, and then always wanting, you know, to start something and to build something together, that when we came, you know, when the wedding prep started to happen, and we got kind of the idea for bougie bakes, we together were like, hmm, like, this could be a big idea, like, perhaps there's something here that we can really you know, go all in on, which is what we had been looking for.
1: Did you guys drive to California? Did you guys, how, when you guys moved there, did you guys drive there? No, one-way ticket. Okay. <laughs> one-way one ticket? Yeah. yeah.
2: was the craziest <laughs> feeling.
1: <laughs> Obviously, you're husband and wife. So you're talking all the time. But were you guys brainstorming ideas to pursue? Or, oh, what about this idea? What about that idea? Because it sounds like you were actively sort of tinkering with the idea of starting a business. Twenty four seven. So,
3: like, Meg had the entrepreneurial bug earlier in her life. I got it after college when we met. So I was a late bloomer. But yeah, to your point, it was text messages all day, watching, you know, Shark Tank, whatever it was. Like, this could be an idea. Oh, is this domain taken? Or does this exist already? The number
2: of like (laughs) uh, IP addresses we have and like
1: things trademarked (laughs) is
2: just embarrassing.
1: Before bougie Bakes did you test or attempt to start any business?
2: oh yeah, we had a few, so like early on in my life, I was luckily surrounded by a lot of like entrepreneurs too, and my cousins and I together started what was like a pretty makeshift landscaping business when we were in college and then actually partnered with my cousin on like a medical a medical device accessory kind of business for a few years and then
3: so. When I was younger, I wasn't doing all that. I wish I did. My first quote unquote business, you know, I got that entrepreneurial bug once we started working the, the nine to five desk job and was like, wow, there's gotta be other ways to do this. <laughs> so I actually stumbled in, into my first one. We were working in New York City. I noticed that there was a big discrepancy in the secondary market on Nixon Rangers tickets, especially with premium tickets. So if you could buy premium tickets and resell them, you're gonna make a lot of money. And actually, I really lucked out because right when I started doing that, like a month later, Lin sanity happened. So, for your listeners who aren't familiar with the New York Knicks, there was like a, a stretch in, I don't remember what year it was, 2016, maybe 15, whatever. So, there, there was a Harvard kid, Jeremy Lynn, who got called up to the Knicks and just crushed it for two weeks. And like the garden was going crazy. <laughs> and I just happened to be reselling right. premium tickets during that time. So, I was just like, this is sick. And that, you know, rolled into, you know, right before bougie bakes we were working on a photography app. We were like super excited about. We're like, this is the next Uber and then reality hits and you're like, We don't know how to build apps. <laughs> There's a lot of problems with technology and it was yeah. it eventually failed.
2: We lost a lot of money on that one, but uh we learned a lot too.
3: <laughs> so you had
1: like a legitimate business going with that.
3: Yeah, yeah. We, we we had the app built, we had like we were working with the developers, you know, it took a while and very delayed, but like we had a working app and People did use it and we made several tens of dollars off of it.
2: <laughs> it was essentially like an on demand photography app. We thought of the idea when we love to travel and it was actually on our honeymoon where we were like in these magical places wanting to capture the experience, but also like live in the moment. And you just see so often, like pre COVID, especially like people who are out traveling, they're just on their phone, like recording the entire thing and they're missing everything that's happening in front of them. So we had this big vision and dream of like, getting, you know, tapping into the gig economy and having people kind of floating around. And would you be able to book someone and just take an awesome photo of you? And it's like a one and done. And then you can go back to enjoying what you were doing. But it kind of ended there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it sounds like an interesting idea for sure. What in particular, I guess, didn't end up working there?
3: Well, we quickly found out that if you don't understand like the back end of the technology, there's gonna be like a discrepancy between your vision, the developers, and the execution. So we over six, seven month stretch we're battling through that. And you know, when you don't have a, a full understanding of the software and the back end elements that you want built into it that you thought were pivotal for whatever reason end up not yeah. working. Or being impossible, or being super expensive. So, we had an MVP of the app, but you know another element we were te- we live by the beach, and beta testing site was the beach. And a thing that we didn't take into account is there's really bad cell phone
1: service by the beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another nail in the coffin.
2: Yeah.
1: Did you guys self fund the business? Yeah. Yep. How long did you guys run that business for? About a year and a half.
2: We were actually running it like simultaneously to Bougie Bakes too. So we had two things going for a while. And then, you know, I think you just, you hit a point where in life where you're like, if something's not working, you got to kind of cut your losses and move on. And then we had luckily Bougie Bakes kind of in the hopper and it was working. And we're like, we got to focus and we got to now funnel all of our attention to this business that we thought really had some legs.
1: Were you guys working full time at this point too? Yeah. Oh, shit. You guys were busy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been a grind. Like we, you know, just really both became fully focused on Bougie Bakes a few months ago. So we're trying to keep up with our nine to five jobs, but also like building this business on the side for many years before we were able to like make the decision to do it full time.
1: Yeah. So I want to jump into that in just a second. All right. So you attempt this business, you do it for about a year and a half. It sounds like it ultimately doesn't work. You lose some money. A lot of people would probably stop there and say, I guess it just didn't work. I already have the security of my nine to five job. I'm just going to go back and focus on that and see if I can grow more there internally. I guess what was pushing you to keep going, to keep moving forward and to keep saying, ah, you know what? Screw it. This one didn't work. It's okay." I'm okay with that. I'm going to continue to tinker, experiment and see what else I can, you know, brew up.
3: So I think that the main thing is like there was no question, there was no what if. Like we we did it, it didn't work. It wasn't like we always had in the back of our mind, oh, we should have done that. That could have been huge. It's like it wasn't. It didn't work. Move on. And at the same time, even though it was an ultimate failure, we learned a ton of stuff. Like we learned about contractor and the agreements that you should put in place with them. We learned about You know, looking at a business idea or venture from another angle, where you know if large elements are going to be out of your control, it may not be worth going into. Or you know, just timelines are always going to be exaggerated, or or just a number of things that, even though it was it was a failure on paper and we lost money on it, it gave us the experience and the knowledge to head into the next venture, potentially more successfully.
2: Yeah, and I think like honestly, having gone through that. It also gave us a lot more confidence, which is weird to say, given that it did fail. But I mean, we were able to develop an app, albeit like it was kind of glitchy and didn't really function. If (laughs) we built an app, like it was available in the app store. And I think, you know, having gone from really no experience building an app to building an app, even though it didn't really work out, just having seen that happen, we're like, if we can do that, we can do anything we put our minds to. And I think that we, Are like avid readers and avid listeners to podcasts. And we always are like so inspired by other people's stories. And if you kind of pull from a lot of these other founder stories, the kind of X factor is that they just didn't give up. And for us, it was like, if we give it another try, if we think of another idea, like we got to just go all in and see and see what happens.
1: Mm. You know, I always say that like, I think it's bizarre almost to some extent that failure is. Almost like it's not really frowned upon. It's just like it's like something that people are made to feel ashamed about. But, you know, like you attempting that versus the person that is like, oh, that person, that person's a failure. The the thing they were pursuing didn't work out. Yet that person is still sitting on their couch and hasn't even attempted to swing the bat. I almost view the failure is just like that forward momentum you need. And it's just sort of maybe a peak down to go back up and climb that mountain again. Exactly. So you guys are also working full time. That's just crazy to me because it sounds like Bougie Bakes was also sort of in motion. So do you think that the the sting, let's call it, of like, oh, this business didn't work was a little bit less because you still had income from other places and yeah? For sure.
3: Totally, yeah. It was like a little blip in the radar or a bump in the road. It wasn't devastating by any means. So yeah, we were lucky in that regard.
2: I think we've always like we've always felt We're young enough that even if we do put it all on the line, like we can recover in theory. So, like, yeah, we've had to make sacrifices. Like, we're not yet homeowners. A lot of our other friends have homes. Like, there's some things that we've had to sacrifice, but we feel confident that it will pay out one day. Or if it doesn't, like, we can go back to working on nine to five and build back up, you know, what we've lost.
1: Yeah absolutely well it's another funny one where people are like oh you need to you need to go and pursue it full time you need to go and pursue like whatever you're doing full time if you want to be successful and i think you guys are a great example of almost like taking very calculated risk and diversifying your risk in some ways where okay i'm going to keep my 9 to 5 job i'm going to continue to to do that while i work on this side hustle and i'm going to see if i can make anything of it and i love that you guys took And I don't know if it was intentional, it sounds like it was, but like, it's very practical, the approach you took where it's like, okay, we're going to keep trying to make something happen outside of our core job. And if something comes of that, you know, then I can make decisions later on. Because I think a lot of people, they get stuck in this idea, like, oh, I don't want to do my nine to five, all I want to do is the side hustle. But you don't know if at that point, if the side hustle will be anything. And if you leave your nine to five, you leave sort of that security that maybe enables you to go and tinker with other things.
3: Exactly. I don't know how we, we read a lot of articles or hear those stories where it's like, you know, they drop everything and work on their business. And it's like, wow, how does that? How do people do that? But. It would
2: have been nice. But yeah, for us, it, like, it just wasn't an option. Like we didn't go out and raise outside funding before launching. So it was like our own money that we were using to fund the business. And we didn't have like a huge nest egg either that we could afford to just quit and focus on it full time. We really needed that that nine to five income to help fund the business. But I think now in hindsight, like I'm so grateful that we did it that way because it's it's made us just so much smarter about how we're spending our money. Like from day one, we've been super, super focused on like our return on our investment, our return on our ad spend. Like if we are marketing, if we want to make sure that like what money we're putting into it is actually driving incremental revenue and we're not just like spending for the sake of spending to keep growing and growing and growing.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I love that. And I definitely hope anyone who tunes into this and listens that other people can also be more practical as it relates to like, Ryan, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I don't understand either. I mean, you lose that you take away your security and you're like, Oh, I'm putting it all on the line. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I, I wouldn't be able to even eat lunch. I'd be like, I need to be working right now. I need to be working. And right. obviously, you know, like there needs to be balance as well in your life. So... I don't know how people do that. <laughs> There's ways to do it. Like if you have that goal,
3: you just set out a strategic plan. So, like we moved our lives around and within our jobs and everything, like setting up for maybe in a year, year and a half, we can do this. So it is possible to do. It's a, it's very tiring and a lot of work, but it is possible to to do both.
1: So I need to ask: When you were at your full time job, like during the day, nine to five, was your attitude positive, or were you like? Screw this, screw that. I just want to get back to bougie bakes. I want to get back to my other business. Or were you like, oh, this is still enjoyable? Because I imagine, you know, you have this really exciting thing that you're building and it consumes you just from like an energy standpoint. It's all you want to do. It's all you want to talk about. It's all you want to be working on. How do you manage like that journey there?
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely was all of the things you just said. Like for me personally, I had been at my Job for about a year before we started Bougie Bakes, and I ended up being there for a little over three years. So, I, you know, in the beginning, like when I was going in, I still felt very energized because it was, you know, I had been there a year, but I was still, I'm just of the type that I work really hard and I want to like do the best I can, whether it be in my nine to five or in the side hustle. So, you know, I was still super motivated, but it's funny, like I was always the type who prior to starting Bougie Bakes would like you know, be in the office, obviously, from never even nine to five, like eight to seven, but there's always like, after hours work being done, too. But I really became like, super, super efficient and was working pretty much nine to five on my full time job, like there just wasn't time for anything else outside of that. So I just had to start being like more efficient. And when I got in, I was focused on doing my work. And when I got out, I was focused on bougie bakes. But I will say like, towards the end, I mean, you're just you're burning from both ends. And so it it's hard to show up every day, like super excited when you're really like your passion and your drive is focused somewhere else. So it got harder and harder and harder. And then I think, ultimately, when it got too hard, and it was just too much to manage, it's when it's time to rethink it. And you have to then make the hard decision, like, it's one or the other. And for me, it was let's go all in on this business.
3: I was a little different in that my job at that time, Needed to travel a lot for it. So I knew thinking long term, long play, I needed to find a new position. So I actually got a a new job about right at the beginning of Bougie Bakes, where it was less travel. I actually negotiated a higher salary and lower commission rate, which is like the opposite of what a salesperson should do. But I had the vision of going full time on, on Bougie Bakes in there. So I was working from home before it was popular to work from home. So we were lucky in that regard that we had a lot of flexibility with that. And then sort of like Meg, as bougie banks grew, I would block off more and more mystery time on my calendar and questions started to come about. So uh, it gets to a point where you can't, you can't do both.
1: Yeah. You're living that double life. Yes.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so how does bougie Bakes come about? Like, what's the story behind the idea when you guys were like, Oh, let's see if we can make something happen here.
2: Yeah. So we had been you know, newly engaged and actually we got engaged February and then we moved to LA in March. It was of two thousand and seventeen. So we were new to LA, newly engaged and in typical like bride to be fashion, I wanted to get into the best shape I could ahead of our wedding. And you know, not knowing anyone out here, I just was searching for a personal trainer and a nutritionist. So we had always been like super into working out into fitness, but we were never as mindful of what we were putting into our bodies. And so in working with a personal trainer and a nutritionist at the same time, my whole mindset changed. And I was seeing, you know, that cliche saying of like abs are made in the kitchen, I started to actually see it happening. And I was like, wow, what they've been saying all these years actually is true. Like you can work out as hard as you want. But if you're not being mindful and trying to eat healthier too, like it's just not going to end up yielding the same results. So we started following like a very kind of strict... Meal plan. It was egg whites in the morning, salads for lunch, protein and veggies for dinner. Like doing great all day, going to the gym, working out hard. But we would come home at night and like right around eight p.m., our sweet tooth would kick in, and it's like "Ah, I need. Like for me, it was always ice cream. For Riot, it was a bag sometimes of Milano's. (laughs) And like, what do we just do? Like that's such a waste. Like we just worked so hard, and now all of that is for nothing. And We were struggling for that, you know, satisfying sweet at night that would not derail our whole day's work. So, you know, together with the nutritionist at the time, we came up with like a handful of ingredients from her that we could start playing around with at home and coming up with recipes for baked goods. And that's initially what it was. It was just, you know, some cookies that we had made out of the ingredients we were told complied to our meal plan. And we thought they were great, and they were. Doing I was it. skeptical at first,
3: to be <laughs> you honest. <are> actually. <laughs> We've tried the the healthy, quote unquote, alternatives that were available at the supermarket, and it's just you obviously could tell this was not a real cookie or brownie. So, you know, Meg was having them and enjoying them, and I was like, yeah, I, I don't want any part of that. I'll stick to what I know and love. But in a moment of weakness, I had one, and I texted her right away. I was like, wow, these are the healthy. Baked goods, like these are good, you could hardly tell. And that (laughs) snowballed into sampling with friends and family. And then, fast forward to you know, we get married and we're constantly thinking about the ideas. And we start doing some more research on the actual business side of baked goods, CPG, and notice that it's a very crowded space. But if we were to create a product that is gluten, sugar, and dairy free, we'd be a totally unique offering. And then, combined know, Meg's consumer products and branding background, we can create a really cool brand with a really innovative product that tastes good. So that's sort of the background on how it came to be.
1: So you don't have any experience, obviously, in like the food space. Maybe you'd think why not just like sell at my local farmer's market if I want to get into this, do something that's a little bit less like big, right? Mm-hmm. Are you guys just like go big or go home? Or it was just with the previous businesses that you tried attempting, like you always were thinking a little bit bigger than like starting like a local bakery where you sell fresh baked, healthy product?
2: Yeah, I mean, we definitely are of the go big or go home mindset. But I will say like, this started out small and slow. And it was like a slow and steady build. We were doing the farmer's market grind, we were doing pop ups at fitness boutique classes, like we were very much living that for a long time, we made the decision out of the gate to Sell online. Like we didn't want to open like a brick and mortar storefront, which in hindsight, we're so grateful we chose to go that route. But, you know, for us, it was just the decision we made. And we felt like the way we could really make an impact more nationally too, right out of the gate. So we were selling through our website, but we didn't really have, you know, a budget to be doing a whole lot of marketing. So a lot of our sales were happening more locally for a long time. And then as we started to grow locally, we were able to then fund a little bit more marketing, paid social, Google, we got our name out online that way. And that's when it really started to take off.
1: How do you find your initial customers?
2: Honestly, it was doing what I just said, like it was going and like, popping up at random places, a lot of word of mouth started to catch on here in LA. We were always focused on Instagram too, like, you know, it was kind of more organic out of the gate. But creating some beautiful content, trying to get people to see us online, click through our website
1: to buy. You guys were packaging everything in your house initially? Yeah,
3: initially everything was being done in the home kitchen in the house. We have some funny pictures. We were working full time. So on sales calls with my headphones on wearing gloves, packing cookies. (laughs) And we did that for a number of months. And it was a crazy system. And like looking back, we didn't really have that many orders, but it was like, oh my God, we have so many orders. Like how are we ever going to do this?
2: There were definitely days that like it broke us <laughs> Like, and looking back, we're like, oh my God, today, just seeing how quickly we could turn that out. It's just funny to reflect on that.
1: <laughs> I bet. So one thing I love about your brand and Ryan, I know you, you mentioned it, you know, a lot of the healthy for you companies that are you can find in your grocery store, a lot of them are filled with like artificial preservatives or artificial ingredients that aren't actually good for you to keep them shelf stable, things like that. So I love that you guys have also taken this approach of real ingredients and what you're seeing like when you go to like the nutritional info, you're not seeing any of like the preservatives that you see in a lot of the other like health conscious brands where yeah, it's the healthy brand, but it's like filled with so much bad shit for you. Right. We were
3: really surprised by that ourselves. Like when we were doing our initial market research of, you know, the front of the package shows healthy. And then you look on the back and you're like, this is not healthy. This yeah.
2: Like, I have no idea what that is, but it can't be that good for you if I don't know what it is. So we
3: went into it full transparency on the ingredients and using no preservatives. So they're fresh baked goods. So our, we're losing shelf life, but we're also you know not having those preservatives. And our customers do appreciate it. it's a natural product. So both of those were very thought out.
1: Love it. You know, at what point did you realize like, okay, we have a business here. We're going to quit and take the full-time leap. How did that come about?
3: So in between the home kitchen and taking that full-time leap, we had a step of within LA County, there's a permit that allows you to do the home kitchen. So, you know, we're doing everything legally, but once you reach a certain threshold in sales, you have to move to like a professional commercial facility. So that was a big leap. We went from the home kitchen. We rented a space uh, in South LA. You know, We got professional equipment. We got a, you know, a system in place. And still during that time, we were both working full-time. So not only were we having the full-time jobs, but then we had a commute to the production facility and it made things even more complicated. But we still did that and did that until it just got to a point of literally was breaking us. Uh, and that's, I went full-time First,
2: yeah, we knew both of us couldn't transition to full time like we had kind of you know our goals in place of when financially it would make sense for both of us to be full time. We hadn't yet hit that, but we were definitely at a place where one of us could afford to be focused more full time, and given where we were in our careers, like it just it made more sense for Rye to focus at that point,
3: yeah, so i I went full time and then you know during that year, we went from literally just us to building a staff and bakers and fulfillment people and then you know fast forward to the end of last year we we grew out of that initial facility and had to move to a new one and we had to do some constructions for machinery that we wanted to put in there and at that time it was like we both need to go full time so Meg transitioned to full
1: time as well That's awesome. How how good did it feel when you left behind your 9 to 5 and started to pursue this full time?
2: So, so good. I mean It was just amazing to like, like this was what we had been dreaming of forever. So like for both of us now to be working on the business that we're building has just been a dream come true. And then it just felt like a weight was lifted off of our shoulders. Like it was just a real grind and it was hard for so, so long. So it finally, it felt really cool to be able to now focus all of that attention into one thing that we're building and that's Bougie Beaks. It's still very
3: hard. It's just that you don't have another job peeking in at you yeah it's funny like <laughs>
2: when I left my nine to five a little there was like one day where I was like what am I gonna do with all this time like because I just for so long was doing so so much but it lasted literally one day and then day two it was like there's not enough hours in the day <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I read I read recently that Sugarfina, uh, the founders of Sugarfina, invested in in uh, Bougie Bakes among some other notable people. Like, I guess what's what's that like to bring on an investor, and not just any investor, like the founders of you know a very iconic company such as Sugarfina?
3: Sure. So there's a good connection there. So Rosie O'Neill, which is the one of the founders of Sugarfina, actually worked at Mattel. Yeah, On the Barbie team, so Meg had reached out to her with that connection. So both Uji Bakes and Sugarfina have Mattel connections. Yeah, we didn't
2: cross mm. paths at Mattel, but she was like a legend in the halls of Mattel. Like she, <laughs> and for like a aspiring female founder, like I looked up to her so much, and so I reached out to her when I was thinking about starting the transition out of Mattel to focus on my full time gig and or my side hustle at the time. I reached out kind of coldly, like wanted to pick her brain, was like, hey, I'm about to leave Mattel to do the same thing you did, same but different, and, you know, would love to talk. And we ended up talking and I had, I didn't even know at the time, but her and her husband had started their own investment fund. And, you know, we had a great conversation, a few subsequent conversations from there. And they were really inspired by what we were doing. We were equally inspired by what they had done. So it was awesome to have them come on board. And yeah, we've, you know, since brought on a few other investors in a very strategic way. And we have now a good, you know, roster of advisors and investors who we can really lean on and who have been instrumental in helping us to think through the next vision of Bougie Bakes.
1: Where do you see Bougie Bakes in five years from now, 10 years from now? What's, what's the vision? Sure. So we, we want to
3: focus on that healthier alternative categories, whether that be baked goods or other extensions of snacks. You know, we want to become a household name, whether it be strictly from an e-commerce perspective, or do more and more strategic partnerships, like we did with the Human Improvement, or you know, we sell bundles on Farm Girl Flour. So there's so many innovative, cool companies out there that either overlap from a product perspective or a customer perspective that you know will keep us very busy for for years to come.
2: Yeah, we definitely, you know, are going to continue to lean into delivering fresh baked goods and potentially even other verticals. You know all around kind of healthier alternatives to life's indulgences. So we do think there's a vision beyond just baked goods too, but then also really leaning into the giftability angle of bougie bakes. And we did that for a reason, the packaging, the way it's been packaged and presented in like a very beautiful way. We want bougie bakes to become kind of the next Harry and David. So like people can, you know, send our baked goods that are free of gluten, free of dairy, free of sugar, and deliver them to people and they'll be able to actually enjoy what they receive. Unlike a lot of the other product that's usually filled with gluten and sugar and people chocolate
1: chocolate covered apples with <laughs> all that crap.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like people <laughs> that appreciate but aren't as excited to eat. So we have big visions. <laughs>
1: I love it. What would you tell someone who has an idea, but like maybe they have that voice in their head that's like, I could do this, but other people are telling them, you don't know anything about that industry. You're nuts. Because you guys obviously, you know, you didn't have any experience baking professionally or scaling like a D2C business or really any business in this category. So, what would be your advice to someone who has an idea and they're trying to figure out if they just like, I guess, In terms of even just self belief, you know, it sounds like you guys are are willing to try and fail and see what happens. But what would be your advice to someone who has that idea who's trying to figure out if it's something they can even pursue or not?
2: I would encourage people to really do their research. Like, it's amazing just how much information's at obviously our fingertips, but also like as I mentioned, like we read so much, we listen to so many podcasts. We would reach out like coldly to a lot of people who you know, had been successful, or we had heard stories about, and you'd be surprised how many people are willing to, like, jump on a call and have a quick conversation or answer an email. So I think we've been pleasantly surprised by how many successful people really want to help other people be just as successful as them. So I think don't be nervous, like knock on the door or shoot an email someone's way. It can't hurt and you never know like what you'll get in return.
3: And just to, to piggyback on that answer don't be afraid to walk away from the idea if you have those conversations and it seems like it's not going to work out because you may just get another idea. And having those conversations is ultimately not a waste of time because now you've made those connections, you've learned from their successes or their failures, and that will all equip you to head into the next idea, even more poised for success.
1: I love it. And that's really exactly sounds like what happened with you guys. You know, we're going to start to wrap this up in a couple minutes. But What's it like being co-founders in the business and you know and being husband and wife in terms of just like living your life and business? What's that like?
3: It's very fun. I mean, like, we set out to do this and it's day-to-day, it's cool to be like, we're actually doing it, and we only have to answer to ourselves. But there, there's also elements to it where it's all encompassing, all consuming. So we do have to take moments where for instance like we don't bring our like we go for a run on the beach and we don't bring our phones or we go for a walk to breakfast and we don't bring our phones because there's always something that can be done whether it be yeah big picture emails or like a comment you know pops up a question about like what are your ingredients or something so it's like you find yourself going down these rabbit holes of where well i thought we were doing such and such so just important to obviously remain focused and committed long term but also your husband and wife, not just business partners.
2: Yeah, it's definitely challenging. I mean, like we have to, like just said, make a point to like make time just for us because it's so easy to just fall in this like grind of the business and there's so much to do and we love it and we're so passionate about it. But we also have to like make time for our relationship and our marriage. So I think one thing that we've done too, which has helped us is like, while the lanes are definitely not so black and white and it's very gray, like we do kind of structure the business so that we each have kind of our area to run and to really, you know, lead. So that helps because we kind of trust each other to like do your own thing and we're not stepping on each other's toes too much. But at the end of the day, like I feel really, really grateful that like we do spend pretty much all day every day together because we're running the business and we also have you know, shared interests outside of work too, like, whether it be going for a run or taking a dog for a walk or going to get breakfast, like, we spend so much time together. But it's awesome because we really enjoy each other's company. And you know, there's good days and bad days where like, you're going through something with the business, and it's hard not to let it affect the relationship. But all in all, it's so so cool to be able to like go through these ebbs and flows and these highs and lows with someone who's your life partner too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I imagine it would be like difficult at the like at dinner, you might just want to talk about things outside of work. Because I imagine it's it's easy. Like I think about my own life with my fiance, how if I have an exciting work day, then I tell her, Oh, this is what I did today at work or something like that, or vice versa. I can imagine it's very easy to just let your work and your your business consume a lot of what you guys discuss. And it's probably difficult to put like a a pause on that.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, because it is it's like, so much of what we do too so you know there's not as much time as there used to be for like other things but we still try really hard and make an effort to prioritize like you know those other things we love and you know while we might not have as much time to do it it's like quality over quantity these days you know
1: who eats more bougie bakes on a regular basis
2: Ooh, tough one
1: I still think I got it. <laughs> right,
2: got it. I just eat a lot more in yeah, general. Yeah, I eat a lot
1: more in general.
2: <laughs> but we both like... I mean, it's still like our go-to snack at night when we're craving something sweet.
1: <laughs> I love it. So we can start to wrap this up. I ask all my guests on every episode this question. So what would be your advice to anyone on how to build a life you love? Sounds like you guys are... You know, have been... Have really lived quite an adventure so far and continue to live life sort of exploring your curiosity. So curious what your advice would be on how to build a life you love.
3: Sure, I think the first step to that would just be coming up with a plan to what the life you love would look like. And then you can take baby steps each and every day to start to get closer to that goal, whether it be researching something or whether it be moving somewhere or anything that would entail, even the smallest thing can help you get there. And as long as you remain focused on that eventual goal. doesn't matter what happens in between that eventually, if you set your mind to it, some aspect of that dream life will come true.
2: Yeah. You stole kind of my answer, but I was going to say a similar thing. (laughs) I think it's important to have kind of like, even if it's not like physically a vision board, like something that you're always kind of aspiring to and if you want to write it down or just have it mentally or have it in the notes on your phone like just having a list of like things you want to achieve I love doing that personally and like it's important too I think as a couple and then also you know just independently to check in every so often on like what that list is make sure you're all aligned and still like working towards that goal and if not like it's easy enough to pivot and like change one of the things out for something else. And I think my advice to anyone would just be like, if you really manifest it, you can make it a reality and there's no stopping you. So just if you want something in life, you just got to go after it and you got to get it.
1: Awesome. Where can people find out more about you guys or go to the website? Feel free to drop that stuff now. And um, I'll include more obviously in the, in the show notes and all that. Sure, it's
3: bougiebakes.com and then all of our handles on you know Facebook and Instagram with just at bougiebakes.
1: Awesome. Matt Grind, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Really excited to share your story. Thank thanks you so much, for having thanks us. so much
2: for having us. It was fun.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It will mean the world. Again, if you want to try their outrageously delicious baked goods, please use the code Bits of Gold fifteen to receive fifteen percent off your order. Bits of Gold fifteen. With that, hope you all have an amazing week. New episode dropping this Monday. Enjoy.
0: I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at.